Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Brain Love Podcast. I'm Dr. Delvina, your host, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida. In this episode, I'm talking with high school counselor, Coach Philip Wells. We discuss for about an hour some very good information that I'm sure parents, guardians, also children, you'll benefit from this show. We talked about how teenagers harbor different emotions and thoughts and feel afraid to talk to their parents. We also took two calls from uh, parents who had questions. One parent was concerned about the 504 plan. If you don't know what this is, please listen to this episode so Coach Wells can explain it. We also talked about why children are not comfortable talking to their parents. And we discussed, amongst many other things, we discussed the four parental styles and which style children respond to the best. And of course, we had to talk about how we can help our children cope. So listen in to another episode of the Brain Love Podcast. Thanks for joining me on my couch. So um, I started off by uh, wanting to go into the school specifically to be a school counselor. But um, and we'll probably touch on this a little bit later. But I felt like I was doing too much referring and not doing the, the counseling that I know that I can provide students, but also that I know the students need. So I decided to kind of take it up a level and um, go back to school very briefly to um, FAU and just took a couple classes to uh, start working on my license. Okay, I got to pause right there and put a period because, wow, that's that we I, I want to put some emphasis on what you just said. Mm-hmm. So you got a master's in counseling for schools for the school system. Exactly. And you, did, you realized you were you were referring your students to other specialists when you realize, hey, this is something I can do myself. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> a lot of, uh, well, some of it is just me, just naturally who I am, someone that's very helping, someone that wants to, uh, you know, just help people to find a better, you know, path in their lives. And um, the students that will come to my office, you know, we'll have these great conversations. And, you know, I find myself being mm-hmm. very relatable to the students. And then, you know, the way it works at, you know, the schools, uh, if it's too deep or if it takes longer than what they say, uh, six sessions, then you have to refer out. But I feel like I was doing too much of the referring and not enough of the counseling. And honestly, that's what I went to school for. I wanted to actually do the work, not referring people else to do the work. So, yeah, that's that's something that, I, yeah. And that's a little gripe that I have with, like, the education system and school counselors. And that's why we call ourselves school counselors versus guidance counselors. Like, we want to actually be in there doing the work, actually doing the, the, the counseling. So, yeah. so, so, okay. So talk to me about that. So there's guidance counselor and there's school counselor. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's just guidance counselor is a dated term that we're trying to eradicate because when you think of guidance counselor, you think of just the person that signs you up for your classes for next year or may say, Hey, Johnny, I need you to start coming to school. So on and so forth. But now we're starting to tap into that social emotional stuff especially with what happened um, up in uh, Stoneman Douglas. Uh, but even before that, we were already trying to change the wave and be more focused on that social emotional piece, even to the point where it's now mandatory that students require, to students are taught at least, I think, 12 hours of social emotional learning throughout the school years now. So uh, it's just a, a dated term that we're now starting to uh, get away from. 
Okay. Awesome. So, and you know, you said it's dated. Um, when I was in school in the 80s and the 90s, that's exactly mm -hmm. what we called um, someone like yourself. We called you a guidance counselor. And yeah, they yeah. helped us select our classes, apply for scholarships once we were mm -hmm. in high school. And so, um, so school counselor, um, that includes um, you all providing specific type interventions and, and mental health services to students, not just guiding them and what, yeah. and what they're doing with their uh, education. Exactly, exactly, correct, correct. So um, a little bit more um, of a holistic view. You know, we don't just see them as students, but also as people too. Gotcha, okay. And so of course you um, finished the mental health counseling program and um, currently you're doing all of your hours and things like that so you can take take the exam and become licensed correct correct yeah. okay mm -hmm. and you're doing some good work um and so for folks who are watching um coach philip wells we call him coach um so i love what you use as your branding uh with regard to sports mm -hmm. And um, just being motivated and having self-esteem to allow yourself to push forward and um, level up to really go to the next level. So um, guys watching or when you do watch, you can go to Brain Love Help. That's H-E-L-P, Brain Love Help, H-E-L-P dot com and go to About Us um, or our staff. And you can scroll down and you'll see the bio for uh, Coach Philip Wells counselor, therapist Wells. And so, um, and here you really describe, I mean, you opened yourself up and just, you, you told people about what you believed in and what you were working on and how you want to share that, those skills, the skills and the skill set that you created to change your career and to pursue your dreams. You share that with your patients. Yes. Yes. Um, at, at the end of the day, you know, um, I had to leap deep, look deep within myself and ask myself, what is it that I truly want? and not ask for permission to go and grab those things. You know, I think a lot of times we place these imaginary limits on ourselves. And sometimes it does take being exposed to certain things. And you know, with you, I actually uh, you know, thank you a lot for exposing me to a few things, uh, especially that one gala we went to, that was, that was mind boggling. You know, but it's all about exposure to uh, you know, kind of see past those limits. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I feel like this is what I should be doing. I feel like I'm one of the best you know, therapists like in South Florida and, you know, I tell my clients, ah, shit, go! <laughs> say that again. You said you believe you are, you know you are. Say it again. That I'm one of the best therapists in South Florida. And to kind of tie that back into my brand, you know, the players coach and how I use sports, there's this guy named Deion Sanders, one of the best cornerbacks of all time. And he says, you know, if you look good, you feel good. And if you feel good, you play good. So it all starts with the mental. And I try to get people to, to tap into that, you know, because there was a time where I didn't think that. But I still said it anyway. And you got to keep saying that as a way to kind of rewrite the, the neurons in your brain until you actually believe it. It's like creating a new language for yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, well, I'm glad you said it because I, I think that every day, all day long. Like, shoot, I'm unstoppable. I'm out here getting it. I'm going to get it. It's important. What we say and what we think, what we speak, it is important in how you execute execute tasks and how you see yourself and how you view yourself and accomplishing your goals. So it is exactly. definitely essential. Um, exactly. and, and so you mentioned the gala that we went to, how that exposure is great. Um, I would like to quote John Hope Bryan. I hope I didn't mess up the name. John Hope Bryan. 
he was on a town hall with, um, with me and Dr. Uh, Steve Perry, and we were talking about financial, educational, mental, and spiritual well-being. And um, John said, if you hang around nine broke people, you'll be the 10th broke person. So you do have to expose yourself to other things, especially if you're seeking change and you're seeking something different. So that's what's up. Let's dive into this conversation. Um, so a friend contacted me and said that uh, a young lady, a 17-year-old, I believe was her age, in California committed suicide. Um, and she uh, left a note. In the note, she stated how she was uh, not dealing well with the social isolation, is what she called it, really a social distancing. And of course, you and I and other mental health professionals have been trying to get folks to understand that we're not, this is not socially isolating, that we can all still be involved with one another emotionally, check up on each other with the FaceTimes, the Zooms and things like that, the WhatsApps, that it's social distancing. And so, you know, I mentioned to my friend that more than likely she had other underlying mental health problems. Um, and so, you know, I don't know what type of treatment she was seeking, but uh, her age, you know, in high school, this is a girl, I believe she was in her senior year. Um, and it was very upsetting to her and unsettling that she was not going to be able to walk the stage to graduate, not going to prom, um, those sorts of things. So the first question I have for you is this. Of course, school is still in session. Um, yeah. Students are at home. They're doing their homeschooling. Their parents have become their pseudo educators, teachers and what have you. Some of the parents are saying that the teachers really aren't teaching um, you know, that the teachers get on, they uh, give out the assignment, and then that's it. The parents are left to teach the students. Mm -hmm. So, here is the question. Well, you know, let me try to break this down for you so that way it's not too many questions at one time. Okay. Uh, as a school counselor, have you been contacted, question number one, have you been contacted by parents or by students who have noticed that the student is struggling, that they're not doing well and that they need help? Yeah, you know, unfortunately I had this, I think two days ago, um, I had a parent call me and say, you know, this student isn't doing too well to the point where, you know, unfortunately, you know, they're, um, you know, they're, they're speaking to themselves, you know, they're walking past the room and they're, they're hearing things, you know, hearing the, the kids, you know, say things and, you know, they'll ask like, hey, what's, you know, who are you talking to? And, you know, the kid, you know, is going to deny it, you know, especially being from the culture that he is, you know, that's just something that they don't believe in. Uh, what culture, and, what culture is he from? Um, I believe uh, Caribbean. I, I'll just leave it at that. Caribbean. Gotcha. Um, and, you know, it, he's not the only one. And what I'm finding to see, or what I'm, what I'm seeing is that these, these students, you know, even though they're 17, like the young lady or, or even younger, they still strive for that structure in their lives and when COVID kicked in it just totally knocked them off their schedule so mm -hmm. what happened is they're kind of like flailing in the wind trying to figure out like what's the next thing what should I be doing at this point in time mm -hmm. and you know what I tried to do is basically um just say hey like you know let's let's still attack the day as if it was still a regular school day you know um mm -hmm. most schools in, in Broward we're on a block schedule so you know, I tell them, hey, on this day, just focus on, you know, your uh, your A-day classes. And then tomorrow, focus on your B-day classes. But after you do, like, let's say an hour, 45 minutes of work, like, get up and take a break, you know, just like you would when you transition in between classes. You know, or maybe that's the time where you stop and you talk to your, your friends, your family, 
you know, you get on Instagram, whatever it is, to kind of like, you know, break the monotony and then jump back into it. Um, one thing that I've learned uh, with, you know, trying to reach a, a, a peak level of performance and being able to hold that level is by making sure that you're managing that, that stress of work and then implementing that rest. So it's kind of like that back and forth. You got to find that balance. But unfortunately, for a lot of them, that balance isn't, isn't there now that school is out. Right, right. Yeah, and it makes me think of um, the guidance that I give to folks who are studying for exams or who are studying mm-hmm. in general for classes that you mm-hmm. should not study for three-hour blocks of times or four hours at a time or even mm-hmm. two hours. I tell people to study for 45 minutes, 50 minutes, stop, get some water, hydrate the brain, you know, get up, stretch, you know, grab something, a bite or a snack or whatever, or look outside. Or mm-hmm. I, try to, I tell them to try not to check their phones so that way they don't uh, get distracted or, you know, okay. derail from the purpose. But yes, um, so breaking up those blocks of time so that way they're not getting overwhelmed and sort of losing focus because you only maintain attention for so many moments at a time anyhow, really, and retain the information. Um, I want to go back to what you said, though, in the beginning. Um, we've been talking about depression and anxiety in teenagers and children. I was on uh, Hot 105 on yesterday discussing that. Tomorrow, I'll be on the Rick and Sasha show, which is out of Atlanta, and um, they're syndicated, and people can hear them around the country, and we'll be talking about teens and depression um, But what you mentioned, the example you gave is um, a child who was psychotic experiencing psychotic symptoms, decreased reality testing because of hearing things that other people couldn't hear or this misperception of some stimulus that was coming into the brain. And so the child, you said, thought that it could hear conversations and hear people talking to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you see that very commonly in in high times of stress, you know, um, you know, let me refer to this as just a, a mental breakdown. But essentially, that's what it was, you know. Um, this uh, a lot of scr- and, and honestly, because uh, because I know the student kind of well, like I I believe the stress wasn't uh, from actually the schoolwork, but the stress that a pressure that he puts on himself. And I see that a lot with not only students, but especially those high performing students. They put these unre- un- unrealistic uh, expectations on themselves to where you know being fifth in the class isn't good enough, and like they're they're you know about to you know take their lives because of that, you know? So, um, yeah, stress, um, obviously, you know, substance abuse or being exposed to something very, very traumatic, you know, all these things can definitely bring on uh, those, those psychotic features. Yes. Yes. Um, and you know, a few weeks ago, actually in the beginning when COVID started, um, there was, you know, a video I posted on Instagram about a patient who became psychotic because of the stress of everything, um, people wearing the mask, the social distancing, the stay-at-home orders, and you're right, stress can definitely bring that on too, not just the depression and the anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what, what service or what uh, resources were you able to offer um, yeah. the mother when she called and explained or described that her child was experiencing this? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, at, at the school I work with, we already have a preset uh, list of like, I want to say maybe like 50 resources. So if anybody listening, you know, grab a pen, write these down. Um, you have Chrysalis, which is in Miami-Dade and um, in Broward. Also, you have Henderson, which is in Broward. You also have Banyan, which I believe is in Broward and Miami-Dade. But mm-hmm. also, and very, very importantly, um, if you are someone 
if you're someone that doesn't have insurance, right, you can definitely go to Nova and get um, what and go to the uh, the Brief Therapy Center. That's what it's called, or the Brief Therapy uh, Institute, where you can go there and get services as, as cheap as fifteen dollars. And I believe the same thing is at Barry as well. So um, those are definitely a lot of good places you can go. But also, if you do have insurance, you can simply call your insurance and ask them, "Hey, do I have free sessions?" Um, just like you go to the dentist and you may have two. Uh, free dental cleanings. The same thing is probably true, um, especially if you have Aetna. I believe Aetna is one of those. You can get free uh, therapy services, especially now, uh, especially telehealth. So, um, you know, those are just a few out there. Um, I, I think there's a few more, but those are the ones that I, I, I normally go straight to. So, Derry, Nova, Chrysalis, Henderson, and Banyan. So you give them resources in the community that they can use because, of course, I guess through the school system, there's only so much that mm -hmm. the counselors can do. What, what are you guys allowed to do? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, if depending on what it is and how deep it is, uh, you know, we may uh, set up like a few like, like mini sessions. And unfortunately, as a, as a school counselor, I have so many students I could probably only give a student like 15, 20 minutes. So if, if it's something that needs more than let's, like I said, maybe five or six sessions, we refer them to our family counselor. So everyone listening, especially the parents, call your school and ask them, hey, can my student meet with a family counselor at the school? Because ever since, you know, again, it's unfortunate, um, but what happened in, in um, Stoneman Douglas, I know for a fact every school in Broward County has a family counselor on site. But also at the school I work with, we also have a social worker there as well. I don't think he's a clinical social worker, but he is a social worker. So if it is too deep, then we pass into the family social, the family counselor or the social worker. And also this family counselor can also offer uh, family counseling after school. So it's not only just services for the student, but also for the family. So at the school I work at, if, we get, if that counselor gets too full, then we refer to the the Chrysalis, the Henderson, Banyan, so on and so forth, as I mentioned. Okay. So, wow. So, um, I did see that somewhere that after um, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, that they created a whole program to address mental illness in the schools. And um, a part of that, I guess, was they tried to create a ratio of um, placing uh, mental health professionals at the schools so if they have so many students, they can have so many social workers or family counselors, that sort of thing. Um, mm -hmm. So you just described sort of, um, I guess, an echelon of specialists there where, so if uh, students are enduring an issue, they would start with the school counselor first, like someone like yourself. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And then we will kind of do the triage. Uh, okay. But also uh, what's, what's unfortunate is that a lot of students do not know that there's a family counselor that exists. Yeah, I think many families are not just the students, but families are probably unaware that um, uh, a family counselor is available. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And I think that's where, you know, I have to continue, you know, pushing into the classrooms and like just talking about mental health, you know, something just very, very simple is about as, as simple as, hey, what do you do for um, coping? You know, what do you do when you encounter stress? And what's funny is that a lot of them do not have healthy coping skills. You know, when I ask that question, they'll say, oh, I just go to sleep, you know, or I'll, you know, go and, and uh, you know, just, just eat, you know, or something like that. You know, mm -hmm. so I use that as an opportunity to go in and speak about those things. 
But yeah, they, they'll come to us first and then we'll refer them, you know, where we see, where we see fit. Okay. So, um, are you, besides the student coming to you directly, does the school allow for you to, um, to like do prevention and education? Do, can you say to like the homeroom teachers, hey, I want to come in on Monday morning and talk for 20 minutes to the students about coping skills or about sleep hygiene. Do you do that too? Yes, yes. So actually what I did, um, I took a beach, uh, beach ball and I wrote maybe like, you know, five questions on each color of that beach ball. And I threw it to different students in the classroom and I had them ask questions or ask the question and then answer that question. So for example, I asked them, hey, what does self-love look like to you? Or what are coping skills? Or how do you build confidence within yourself? Mm-hmm. And then this kind of got the ball rolling about, you know, what mental health is, but also at the end of the day, trying to just simply normalize it. And then at the end of the day, you know, I gave them not only a list of coping skills, but also a list of those services that I just mentioned. So that is something that, you know, we do and I strive to do that. Um, again, the unfortunate part about working, you know, as a school counselor, they want you to, you know, change schedules and all this other stuff. And you know, that, that's, again, again, that's a, a little gripe that I had with, you know, being a school counselor, which is why I went the route that I route, the route that I went with um, pursuing my license as a therapist. But the opportunity is there. Um, you got to have, you know, a, a principal that is definitely like on board with that. But also me as a school counselor, I have to market the, uh, the benefits of doing something uh, like that. So, uh, yes, that we, we do have the ability to do that. Okay. So basically what you're saying is that um, your workday doesn't necessarily um, build in the time for you to do walkabouts, for you to walk through the school and try to engage students and talk to them and kind of um, if the opportunity presents itself to teach them and talk to them about certain things. Um, so you still have to do the traditional guidance counselor type function of helping them with selecting classes. Um, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's the nail on the head. And, you know, I always say there's a beauty in a crisis and, you know, for me, that, that was the beauty of it. Me realizing that, Hey, I can do so much more than what they're asking me or, or even allowing me to do. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I see, I imagine, um, you all functioning like, you know, walking through the schools and just being visible and available so that a student can say to you, hey, oh my God, I'm struggling, help me. Um, as opposed to waiting for them to come to you in the office, but doing what we call, in the military, we call those walkabouts, where we go mm-hmm. into a fob or a base and we walk around and we let people know who we are and they have the opportunity to engage us right on the spot. Um, so you're mm-hmm. right, I, I see that that um, as something that is needed. Um, so. At times, if your schedule permits, you can go into classrooms and talk mm-hmm. um, to students about coping and sleep hygiene and hygiene and teach a little brief type of topics to them. Um, mm-hmm. You do the one-on-one triage, and then for the most part, you refer them out, which I guess that's what you were saying. This is why you pursued your additional education so that you could become a licensed mental health counselor. So when someone is in need, they can be referred to you and you can actually um, conduct individual psychotherapy sessions with them as you do at the office. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's, that's, that's correct. And um, at the end of the day, like, I feel like, you know, there was a guy, well, actually there was a guy, you know, I had a guidance counselor who was a black male um, in, in high school and he was so, uh, you know, monumental to my, you know, development as a human being, but also just simply instilling that confidence in me 
to go to, you know, college and, you know, get a degree and, and then even to go further. And mm-hmm. I think that's where I come into play. You know, I really think that, um, you know, um, having someone, again, that you can relate to, uh, having that, that familiar face in the room that can relate. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I didn't, I didn't mention this, but, uh, you know, one of the questions that I wrote on the ball was, what celebrities do you know that has gone and seen a therapist? And that's something that I make you know, very, question. very important to, to put out there, especially when I have a kid, whether, he, you know, it's an, you know, an African-American, um, mm-hmm. Caribbean or a person straight from Africa, I try to tell them like, hey, you know, people like Jay-Z, Michael B. Jordan, right? Um, all these people um, have gone to therapy, Common, uh, Big Sean. Big Sean, J. Cole, yeah. J. Cole, oh, I didn't see, I didn't even know that. I didn't know yeah. J. Cole was in therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, it's, it's so important to introduce these names to these kids because at the end of the day, they're listening to their music and they're wearing their clothes. So why not go to therapy just like them? If they say it's cool and if it's good enough for them, then, hey, you know, it, it should be good enough for me. So I think that, like, being able to introduce that idea alone is important for me to go even deeper into how, how I help students with, you know, being a therapist. Okay. In the school setting, what are some of the common problems that um, these teenagers are encountering? What are some of the most common things that you see? What do they come to your office in crisis about? Is it drugs? Is it boyfriends and girlfriends? Is it, you know, situations at home, financial problems? What types of stuff are you hearing? Gotcha. Well, honestly, all of those really. Um, But one that I see a lot is just um, their inability to deal with the stress that school um, puts on them. School or or maybe even their parents, you know, may put on them. You know, Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with having high expectations. I'm not saying that. But a student should be able to know, like, hey, if I, you know, get a B in the class and then, you know, I'm, I'm still, you know, an intelligent human being. I'm not defined by mm-hmm. the grades that I, um, that I make. But at the end of the day, I think that's probably the biggest thing, just the stress of dealing with school. And that's where I come in as a, more so as a school counselor and say, hey, okay, let's start, like, you know, putting things in a planner. Well, let's step back and actually look at your day and see how you're attacking these things. You know, like, do you have a schedule when you go home? You know, do you stay on a schedule? And also, I may tap into a little bit of behavior therapy when I now that I mentioned it. So, um, asking them like, "Hey, do you have a reward system put in place when you get an A or when you do, you know, two hours of studying that day? If not, then let's put something in to kind of put a carrot on the end of the stick." Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I see things like that. Um, definitely, the you know the pressure of fitting in uh, in high school is all about your rep. You know, it's all about you know who you know, what clothes mm-hmm. you got on, so on and so forth, and. I think that's something that, you know, kids struggle with, um, you know, even to the point where I had, some, you know, students in the past that, you know, mentioned, you know, wanting to harm themselves or, or take their own lives because, you know, they weren't able to afford the clothes and the things that, you know, the other kids have, you know, and to them, you know, that's, that's a type of, you know, affordable status, you know, that says you know, I'm important if I wear these Jordans or, or whatever the case may be. And it's unfortunate, but a lot of them fall victim to that. So um, I would definitely say school and, and definitely um, just the pressure to fit in. Uh, but also, you know, you, you have things that, that touch into the family, kind of like the more systemic stuff. Um, and, you know, I know uh, for a fact that a lot of students, they, they come to us, but also come to their friends because their parents is the last person they feel would be accepting of, you know, whether they're, you know, part of the LGBTQ uh, community or, you know, uh, you know whatever, whatever the case it may be. You know, and that's, that's a whole other subject right there. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. That's no, that's um, that's a good description, an excellent description that you gave of all of the things that that students are um, struggling with. Um, mm. I, I was taking notes as you were you were talking. Of course, um, peer pressure is something that we've all had to yeah. deal with. That's like a, a rite of passage, I guess, you know, pressure mm. fitting in and wearing certain yeah. things. But um, you said something you said um, some students have difficulty with the stress that their parents place on them. And you said um, maybe they got a B, and so now they're, um, I guess, upset that their parents will be upset that they got that B. Do you see a lot of that where students are um, anxious and afraid and get really sad because their parents will be disappointed in them with their grades? Yeah, yeah, I, I do. And this, this is where I see it more so in the high-performing students. Um, you know, these are probably students whose parents and maybe their grandparents have, you know, on to college or you know they, they have really good jobs and now it's up to the students to you know withhold that legacy in a sense. or you may see that uh, you know uh, students may be first uh, generation uh, you know Americans right and you know the parents may be putting the pressure on them like hey like, you know I, I brought you to this country to make something of yourself you know so now you know I, I can't afford you to, to slack off or whatever the case may be so now they, they have that pressure or you may see the pressure of, you know, them having to make it, them having to go to college because they are first generation college students or, or they will be. So now they have the pressure of having to um, support their family with this, um, this new career that they will possibly be getting. So um, it comes from a lot of areas. You know, it can definitely be, you know, cultural. It can be, uh, you know, systemic. Uh, it, it comes from a lot of places okay. at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember I had a case in the hospital about two years ago of um, a Caribbean young woman, um, age 17, who um, she stepped in front of a train to kill herself because she didn't get straight A's on her report card. Wow. So um, she didn't get straight A's on her report card. So she went mm -hmm. to the train track. She was afraid to go home and tell her dad. Um, and so when the train came, she stepped on the tracks and was hit by the train and um, she lived. She lost um, one leg um, mm -hmm. above the knee and then the other leg was amputated below the knee. Um, so she lost an entire leg and a partial leg and um, miraculously, she didn't have any head injury or brain injury. And I remember... Um, when I got called to see her in the ICU, that's what she told me, that she didn't get straight A's and she couldn't tell her her, her dad. Um, yeah, yeah. She got straight A's and one B. She got straight A's and one B. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And uh, what's, what's very, very unfortunate, um, and you know, this, this is kind of like a message to like, you know, all the parents out there, um, you know, that, that right there, what you said, is what drives a lot of students into my office, honestly. They fear that they can't tell their parents. You know, they feel like they can't tell them uh, X, Y, and Z. You know, um, a lot of times when I found that, you know, a student is suicidal, it's because their friend came and told me. You know, or or the teacher came and told me. You know, and now I have to go and tell, you know, the parent. You know, hey, your your student is, is you know suicidal, and for them or for most of them, they they would have never guessed. You know, so I guess you know. Now, I'm not a parent, I don't have kids, you know, maybe you can elaborate, but it's like, you know, when you rule with that iron fist, right, you could potentially crush that kid, you know, and I, and I think maybe that's what's happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like how you said that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, you know, one of the things is you have to allow your child to express themselves. Expression is important. Mm-hmm. And you also, you have to make them feel comfortable coming to talk to you, even for the hard conversations, the conversations yeah. about relationships, love, sexuality, mm-hmm. um, drugs, you know. I remember, you know my son, Tajay, I remember he and I yeah. had a conversation about marijuana. We used mm-hmm. to have conversations over and over and over about mm-hmm. marijuana. And, um, you know, it made it the, the country deciding to allow states to have jurisdiction and to legalize, it did not make that an easy dialogue to have with him because you know, how do you say he had all his research that he had done um, telling, you know, describing why it's safe and how it was beneficial and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, yeah. communication and establishing that relationship um, and being able to hear them talk about the hard stuff and not shutting them down. And like you said, not ruling with an iron fist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and- yeah. So, so uh, the parenting styles, you have uh, authoritative and you have um, uh, the other one. It's uh, authoritarian and maybe I think it's authoritative. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the two. And, um, you know, authoritarian is, you know, where you, like I say, you rule with that iron fist. Do what I say and don't ask questions. You know, and even with that, that builds in some core beliefs that I shouldn't spoke, speak unless spoken to. Right. Precious, you know, a lot of people's self-esteem, but also their ability to speak up for themselves and, you know, make decisions, you know. And, and we see that in our office when we have clients, you know. Mm-hmm. That idea yeah. may, have been, may have been true, you know, 10 years ago, but now, you know, it's, it's harming you, your relationship, you know, um, your ability to, to, you know, produce at work, um, so on and so forth. So, yeah. Yeah, I think um, that's that authoritative Let's go mm-hmm. ahead and see. Yeah, so we got the authoritative, the authoritarian, the uninvolved, and the permissive. Yes. Right? Yes. And so the way it's set up is that you have um, a demanding style. Um, you have a style where you don't enforce limits, parents. And then there's a style where um, a combination of you being sensitive and responsive or stern and punitive. So that's the authoritarian authoritarian is the stern and the punitive. So you're Mm -hmm. punishing, you're not being flexible and you're demanding. So that's the authoritarian, I guess you were describing. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then when a parent is authoritative, they can be sensitive, they're responsive to things, but they're demanding. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, um, and then you have, like I said, the parents who don't enforce limits. So they're permissive when it comes to things and then the uninvolved parent. So obviously we w- probably want to try to have, you know, a mix of some of these things, but staying away from being punitive and staying away from being stern, that is not a, that's not a, a good way to go, especially yeah. if you want to gain your child's trust, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. For anyone listening, you can call in 951 my. Brain, 951-M-Y-B-R-A-I-N, and you can ask a question if you'd like to. Um, so I'm on with Coach Philip Wells. He is a school counselor and also a therapist. He, You work in a substance abuse facility as well. Do you still do work there too? Nah, I, I actually um, had to choose like my mental health over, uh, you know, chasing the money, you know, so uh, that was <laughs> on <the> Saturday. <laughs> okay, but well, that's a good way of just letting people know we got to have balance. So, yeah. so you're only working at the school and then you come to DRT Behavioral Services, brain love, baby. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's what's up. 
And, and so for anyone who will watch this and you're listening, Coach Wells does not. Oh, we have a call coming in. Hold on one okay. second. Okay. Good evening, Brain Love. Yes. Hi, how you doing? Um, I was listening to everything and uh, I actually have a child who uh, she was suffering from seizures. And, um, and so, you know, we, from, from that side, you know, we've always been in touch with like neurologists, doctors, and just constantly staying on top of her. And thank God for the last three years, well, just about like two years going on three years that she hasn't had a seizure. Um, however, um, with that bit of information given, we had to report it to the school. And from that, um, you know, they wanted to do an evaluation on her for having mental health issues. And um, I, I recently <clears throat> have been going through chemotherapy. So, wow. you know, they wanted to include that with her, um, with her evaluation to see if that's affecting her as well. Um, I do communicate with her. However, I am here in New York actually receiving chemotherapy and I have reached out with, uh, you know, just lately, I, I have another therapy session tomorrow, so which might be my last one. Um, but just from that alone, one thing that me and her mother have been concerned with is, is will she have, uh, will she be labeled? You know, because these days, especially with African American children, um, they like to set children in certain categories that, you know, just because they're black sometimes, you know, it's like there's these undertones that you know oh well chances are that in that black home there's got to be some problems so my question to you is is you know will she be labeled should we be afraid or, or cautious or concerned in that in a sense when it comes down to the label how old is your daughter sir i'm sorry how old is your daughter she's nine years old okay all right coach did you want to answer first on that yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so if, if, you know, you, if you were to call in to me, uh, you know, and I'm a high school counselor, I would say, okay, we're going to look to um, getting her what's called a 504 plan. And if you don't know what that is, definitely um, ask the school counselor, but also maybe even um, the ESE specialist at that school. Like, hey, can I, can I get my daughter, daughter what's called a 504 plan? And basically what it is, it's a plan set in place for students who have um, medical, you know, is issues that may be affecting their ability to do schoolwork um, um, at, at the rate of their peers. Um, so what we would do is we put her in a uh, um, what's called RTI, response to interventions. And, you know, we'll have, you know, tier one, tier two, tier three. And if the interventions and the things that we're not doing is not working, then we'll uh, move it to where we'll evaluate her um, with the R RTI team. And um, basically, we'll try to six, uh, put in place uh, some, you know, some accommodations. And, and that's what it's all about with the Bible Corporate. It's about accommodations to making sure that, you know, she is still able to perform at the same level with her peers and that we're not restricting her. So uh, there's this thing called the least non-restrictive um, placement. So, you know, we're not going to put her, uh, you know, in a, in, a, in a room for seven hours of the day isolated with her friends. No, we're still going to try to make sure that she's going to have a, uh, a you know, a very regular uh, day, uh, so on and so forth. But also what's, what's very important about that 504 plan 
is that that plan will, will also follow her into college. So if she decides to go to school uh, after her senior year, that, that 504 plan will be uh, transferred to the universities where she will still have, if not those same accommodations, something very, very similar. But also this would then also follow, follow her within the workplace as well. Um, and that goes with the, um, the uh, Disabilities Act. Um, I forgot the full name of it, but uh, the, the Disability Act. Disabilities Act, you mean the ADA? Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. So, um, but all that being said, is I, I don't think you should be afraid. Um, at the end of the day, this 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 should be something that could help her. Um, and like I said, it's, that's something that's going to help her, you know, throughout our life. And if she needs it, then hey, let's let's go for it. Okay, hold on, sir, one second. Hi, Brain Love. Hold on one moment, okay. Okay, sir, are you still there? Yes, I am. Sir. Okay, so um, what Coach is saying is that you should pursue, um, I guess, officially advising that she does have this medical problem by completing the 504 plan so that she can get the necessary accommodations. And that's helpful, Coach, that you said that will follow her to college. So, yeah. uh, sir, it sounds like it's something you should do, and don't be concerned about her... Um, I guess being treated differently because she's a minority and has a medical plan, do what you need to so that your daughter is able to succeed in school. And then that way too, it makes it easier when she transitions to college to have that in place already. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I, you know, and there, there's just one more thing I wanted to say. In addition to that, I was on the phone with her mother. I so happened to be in the office place you know, in, inside of the, the school's office. And they were like, okay, mom, you know, we're done with you. And then I was getting ready to pack up and go. And they're like, oh, dad, we're not done with you yet. And then they were like asking me questions, tons of questions about, you know, how does she feel in the home? Is she, you know, sometimes does she feel a little upset? Or, you know, they were asking me all of these random questions. Is there a certain type of disciplining that's going on in the home? It was almost like they were insinuating that there might've been some form of, you know, Abuse Some or something? Of, uh, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Which was, to me, completely out of context. And so I told them I don't feel comfortable, you know, with the questions that they were asking me. I and mean, they almost wanted me to sign off on some things. And so I just find that, for me, I find that a little disturbing because, for me, I actually work with children as, as well. I work with at-risk youth within lockdown, sometimes mental facilities. I go in for another purpose, which is through a nonprofit organization. I work as an artist, but... You know, from that standpoint, seeing that this is something they're asking my daughter, told my, her mother, oh, okay, we're done with you. And then it's all of a sudden, now it's questioning for myself. So that also in the background is why I'm asking these questions, because, you know, it's very uncomfortable for our parents, for the, for the parents out there. And being African-American, she goes to a predominantly Spanish white school, you know, yeah. in the private school. I, I wouldn't be shy about asking them, you know, where, where what is what are these questions for what is this stemming from why are you asking these things and also not signing paperwork right on the spot you can take it with you and review it and mm -hmm. you know and then decide if you want to apply a signature or not but i i would ask them and it doesn't have to be in that same meeting it could be at another time you could ask them to meet again and say um, I was rather uncomfortable with these unrelated questions that you asked me. What's behind that? Are there some concerns that I should be aware of? 
you know, flip the script on them, make them answer your questions. You, you deserve an explanation as to why they're asking you those types of things. But so I hope that was helpful. And sir, also the best to you with your chemotherapy. Please let us know if you need any assistance with anything for your daughter or for you. Absolutely. And um, I, I do follow you on Instagram. I'm the one that you, that you responded back to to follow up through the website. So I'm going to be doing that shortly because it's just been a roller coaster ride for me. But that is definitely very helpful as far as the 504 plan just to make sure I'll follow up with her mother about that. So yes. I will reach out to you on other terms, but I, I really appreciate you know, all the information. I thank you guys. Oh, no worries. Please call the office and make an appointment so you can just come in and process. We would love to have you there. Okay, sounds good. All Thank right. you very much. Have a good night. All right. You too. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye. Okay, we had another call, but it looks like the caller disconnected. Um, so guys, I gave out a number, 951-MY-BRAIN. Um, before we have to wrap it up, Coach, I do have a couple of questions for you. Yeah. Uh, we've spoken about a lot in the last 45 minutes. Wow. Um, we went over some of the common problems that you see with the kids in the school. We talked about some of the things that you're doing in the schools as a, a school counselor. Um, and you also uh, pinpointed some of the challenges that kids have as to what brings them into the school system. And here's the caller, one second. Okay. And that's parents placing too much stress. Good evening, Brain Love. How can I help you? I sound like McDonald's. Good evening, Brain Love. Thanks for calling in. Yes, hello? Hi. Do you have a yes. question for I, Coach Wells or me, Dr. Delvina? Yes, I have a, I have a question for uh, for Coach Wells. Uh, just curious to know, um, how does he feel if he feels that like there's an additional responsibility with being a black male therapist when working with a black male client? Um, if there's an additional responsibility or need to, to do more to kind of work with them? All right, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, um, yeah, man, that's that's a tough question. Um, cause honestly, coach. Yeah. Okay. So so honestly, I I would say yes, and I think that goes back to what I said earlier. Um, just me paying it forward, you know. Um, but also I know that there's not a lot of uh you know black therapists out there, you know, uh, especially black male therapists. Um, I definitely know a few. Uh, there's a great guy that I know, uh, John Carlos Simpson. That's a guy that I really uh, you know, kind of almost like seek mentorship from to a degree, you know. Um, but when I when I see a young black man come in my office, I know that he there's a good chance that he hasn't encountered too many black men, but also maybe too many black men that are, like I said earlier, therapists. Um, but also I try to not to put that weight on me, you know. So um, as a matter of fact, uh, Dr. Thomas, we spoke earlier about a client that I had that I had to discharge. Right. And he was, you know, a young black male, but based on like our treatment plan, he wasn't able to follow that treatment plan. And I wouldn't have been able to guarantee my work had he did not, you know, follow through with the treatment plan that I gave him. So unfortunately I had to, you know, discharge him. But when I did, I gave him resources to, Hey, you know, go check out these places, you know, they could probably, you know, better assist. So that one actually did hurt. And I, and I will say that one, that one was tough because I felt like I really could have helped him. But, you know, I, I have to try to, you know, balance that because, you know, if, if I try to save every, you know, black man, black boy that came in my office, that may end up hurting me because also it's about fit when you, when you talk about being a therapist, you know, so, um, 
you know, me, you know, African-American male, you know, if, if, like, if, um, you know, let's say a Caribbean came to Americans having a tough time transitioning, right. Uh, within this culture, then that's, that's something I can't relate to. Unfortunately, you know, I would try, but if I feel like I'm not the best one to, you know, help that, that, you know, black man, then maybe I will make that referral to another black therapist, you know? So, you, you got to kind of have to like figure out which client is the best fit for you. And it's, it's, it's a tough decision um, a lot of times. Yeah. So the answer to your question, sir, is, is yes. Um, but of course it's, it's within reason. So um, we're just like any other being minority mental health professionals. We're like, um, we expect the same things uh, that other mental health professionals expect. And that is that the patient will put in the investment and put in some work and, and time also, so that way they can be a part of the progress in getting better. Um, but because of what we do, we understand that um, we suffer a lot in our communities from psychosocial distressors and we're exposed to more traumas than other populations. And so there definitely cultural sensitivity um, comes with seeing someone who looks like you because we understand the struggle. So the answer is yes to your question. I hope that helps. Yeah, it did. Thank you very much. I, I think I understand that there's a, a lot of pressures that we add on ourselves um, that sometimes we might project on other people. So it's good to hear some feedback from, from you guys about that. Thank you. You're welcome. Awesome question. Have a great night and brain love. You too. Take care. Thanks. I like that question. That was a good one. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> So I was about to segue into the point you made about parents being hard to talk to, not being approachable, um, ruling with the iron fist. So I think that's a good takeaway for, for people watching or who will watch this, um, that you got to develop a relationship with your child from a young age so that they're comfortable talking to you. We're not saying not to draw the line, not to set boundaries, but we're saying that you do have to have the ability to talk to them to hear them, to listen to them, and to allow them to express themselves, especially as they get older, because our children don't remain children long. They become, you know, they're just little adults when they're children, but at some point they become actual adults, you know, the law says at age 18. So you want to establish a good relationship, and the way you do that is having um, great effective communication. Now, before we have to get out of here, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Um, let's see, the first one is, you've already talked about how you help the students to cope, how you talk to them about coping. Um, you said you, you teach them about organizing their schedule, um, having a good system so that way they're not wasting their time, just sort of being um, organized so that they're productive. Do you wanna add anything else to how you help them cope? What other things do you teach them or tell them about coping with those stressors that are occurring at home, at school, with the peer pressure and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple things. Um, probably one of the most important thing is that uh, the students that I see that are able to bounce back from, you know, tough situations are those that have a lot of buffers in their life, meaning these are the students that are involved in, you know, the different clubs at the school. You know, they also feel very attached to the school so you know even though I'm a school counselor that kid may feel more connected with their English teacher and from that that English teacher may reach out to me and say hey you know little Johnny's been telling me these things you know after class so on and so forth so I really think it's very important that they get involved you know 
there's a strong correlation between students that are involved in school, in their communities, in their grades. So when things do happen, they're able to, to adjust to those, um, to those um, stressors. And the students that really can't, you know, um, it's because they don't have those, those buffers in their lives. But also you see that come with students that may have what we call adjustment disorder. You know, students that may, you know, have a tough time adjusting to those different stressors. So I definitely say make sure that they're very, very involved. You can reach out to your counselors and ask them for different, um, you know, clubs and organizations at their school. Um, another thing is definitely um, mindfulness. I think that's something that, you know, we're going to slowly start or we need to, to, to start, you know, introducing into the schools. And every time I meet with a client, I always tell them about HES, or yeah, Headspace. You know, Headspace is a free app that gives you um, 10 free sessions to practice on mindfulness. And I think that's something that's very, very important. So, um, you know, those things, um, you know, there's a lot of other things, whether it's um, imagery, you know, taking time, and that kind of goes with mindfulness. So sitting down and imagining, you know, your dream life or imagining a perfect time in your life and reflecting on those memories, you know, yeah. imagine yourself at a beach, you know, what does that smell like? What does the sand feel like? You know, do you feel the breeze on the back of your neck? You know, and you can slowly start to create that image. So um, imagery, meditation, um, but the biggest thing I think is um, those students having those buffers in their lives, you know, positive people outside of their family that they can definitely speak to. I like how you said being involved in the community at school because yeah. Yeah. it makes them feel a part of something, that they belong and that they're not ostracized or being isolated. So I, I like that. I think that's important too. So yeah, at a young age, mindfulness is, is great. It's awesome. All right. Mm. The other question I have is when you tell them, when you said you asked them about self-love, if, if a student says to you, what is self-love? I don't know. I hate myself. I have a big nose. I'm, I'm overweight. Um, you know, I want to be taller. I got all this acne. What do you tell them about self-love? What is self-love for those, those kids? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I swear I'd be having these conversations like every other day. So this is very fresh. Um, I tell some of these students, um, adults too, you know, self-love can come in the form of a no. So putting yourself first. So someone may say, hey, come smoke this joint with me. Nah, man, I don't want to. That, that's going to ruin my temple and I, and I value that, you know. Um, another thing is, you know, always, you know, tell them to describe the perfect date. You know, what is that perfect date for you? You know, where, 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 where would you go? You know, what time of day would you go? What day would you go? Where, where would you go to eat? Uh, so on and so forth. You know, and once they describe that date to me, I tell them your homework for this week is to take yourself on that perfect date, because at the end of the day, you deserve that. And when you go, don't just go wearing, you know, your flip flops or anything. You're going to go, you're going to go dressed up, looking really nice, wearing your Jordans, whatever it is. And, you know, granted, I know these are, you know, students, you know, but they can definitely go to a movie, take themselves out and then go to Chili's right after, you know, you don't have to have a group of friends to do that. That's right. something you and you alone deserve and if you feel like you need that because you had a tough day at school hey by all means go do that and then to teach them how to enjoy themselves by themselves so they don't always feel like they have to be around a group of people exactly and then that starts to eliminate that peer pressure you know now you can move as an individual um but also you know i tell them like let's, let's start getting into these affirmations you know and and you know a lot of them they don't know what an affirmation is and like i said at the beginning of the, of the the, uh, the show, I was like, yo, I'm one of the best therapists in South Florida. And now that I think that, now I'm looking for every reason to make sure that that is true. 
So what do I what do I mean by that? So if so, I, I told a client this the other day. I said, hey, if if uh, you're always looking for, let's say you just bought a yellow Camaro because you feel like no one has a yellow Camaro. Every time you you're driving, you're gonna be like, dang, that's a lot of yellow Camaros now. But it's, it's because you you your your mind is starting to notice it. Like you're you're intentionally looking for it. So now that I'm intentionally looking for reasons that say that I'm a great therapist, I'm going I'm to see it every time. Like even in this podcast, I feel like I'm dropping gems right now, you know, but, but it's because I'm looking for these reasons versus dang, like I'm, I'm not a great therapist. Now I'm looking for every reason to make that true. So now instead of looking for that, that yellow Camaro, I'm looking for the red Camaro, you know? So you have to start by putting these thoughts in your mind and then slowly you're going to be looking for every reason to make that idea true. And it starts off with affirmations. On that note, folks, <laughs> I think that is a good way to wrap it up. I like that. So affirmations, just claiming what you want and going for it and holding yourself to that standard so that you mm-hmm. make things happen. So coach, this was great. Thank you so much for coming on with me and talking about our children because they are the future. That was so corny, huh? (laughs) (laughs) No problem, no problem. I I enjoyed it. It's it's great. And, you know, we got to do it again. Tell people where they can find you on Instagram and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So on Instagram, um, the Players Coach LLC, that's where you can find me. You can check out my website, www.theplayerscoach.net. Um, if you want to email me, my email is philipwells at theplayerscoach.net. And hey, that's it. That's and it. your SoundCloud and your podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, the podcast is called The Podcast. And The is an acronym that stands for Therapy Helps Everyone. And yeah. every day I get on that show, I try to make that a fact. I don't care if you're a ball player that's making a million dollars every game or, you know, uh, the student in my in my uh, in my school, you know, therapy helps everyone. So, um, you know, I'm definitely gonna be putting some more uh, episodes on on there. But you can check it out on uh, Spotify. Um, I believe it's on uh, Castbox, but also Apple Music or Apple Podcasts. It's, it's on one of those, so you can definitely check it out. All right, clap it up! <laughs> Thank you, Coach Philip Wells, and I'll see you later. No problem. You take it easy. You got to say brain love, okay? One. Oh, brain Oh, go ahead. Three. Brain love. We got to do it again. On three. <laughs> One, two, three. Brain, brain love. Okay. <laughs> Have a good night, coach. All right. You too. Thank you. You're welcome. It's the end of an episode. Thank you guys for joining me on my couch. It's been a pleasure. It's Dr. Delvina. Remember, every day you must have brain love. Balance. You can't have all work and no play, and you can't have all play and no work. Reframe. Reframe your negative thinking. Think positively. Avoid negative people. Inside, everything you need It's inside of you. Look inside yourself. Needs. Know your needs. Your needs come first, not everyone else's. Limitations. Limit your expectations of yourself. Ownership. Own your mistakes. Learn from them and move on. 
Vengeance is not yours. It's the Lord's. Express yourself. Every day, meaningful communication. Don't go to bed angry. And that's been my show, guys. Brain love.